millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words, yet say nothing at all. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's Wood Talk number 381 for May 15th, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about amber water-based finishes, what's the deal with drill presses, and how to use a moisture meter. Um, so we got a lot of great things coming up in the show, but I do want to mention at the top here that today's show is sponsored by Brusso Hardware. Be sure to check out Brusso's Photo Extra newsletter. This is a weekly update from Brusso dedicated to customer-submitted photos. Brusso's customers work on detailed projects including ring boxes, humidors, keepsakes, gun boxes, and furniture. It's an excellent source for inspiration for your next project. The newsletter is short, quick, and has great photos, and it's delivered right to your inbox. To sign up, visit brusso.com slash photo extra. It's all one word, brusso.com slash photo extra. Thank you very much, Brusso. We appreciate you uh, hanging out with us and supporting the show. And speaking of supporting the show, there are some folks who helped us out monetarily, and they get a little something in return for that, like an email extra and other stuff, perhaps, depending on what they've done. Uh, a signed headshot of Matt Cremona. Ooh, that's right. You want one? I've got headshots. I'll sign them. Of course you do. Actually, it's getting to the point now where just the headshot looks like two eyeballs surrounded by a fountain of hair. Right. It's hey, really, it's getting out of control. I got like a that. haircut it's, since the last show, all right? It's the only place you can actually... Sasquatch footage came from. Yeah, the only place you can actually sign is on the whites of his eyeballs. I got them right here. <laughs> Oh, you yeah, got you, you got some want, there. You guys want a headshot? Yeah, baby. Wow. Sweet. I'll put that it's on like my ceiling in my bedroom. Photo. It is. Isn't it nice? <laughs> <laughs> my Matt. friends over at Triton made those for me. Matt, it was wow. selected as most likely to saw wood. I like that. I don't think I was actually. No, no, that was someone else got that. Uh... I, I had zero interest in that back then. Nice. Most likely to wear a pink button-up shirt. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I probably wore it already <laughs> I've at seen, that time. I've seen pictures. Uh, okay. <laughs> so we'd like to thank folks who helped us out over at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodtalk. Uh, James Rollison, and here's the funny thing. He actually used PayPal, and he put a funny name, and his funny name was Jack Goff, right? <laughs> but PayPal also lets me know your real name. So it, that, that hi, joke. Nicole. Oh, hi, Nicole. Guess what this is? <laughs> this is a sweet tea delivery. And not just because it came from the coal. It's actually sugar sugar tea. Thank you, honey. <laughs> uh, so James Royalson, good job. I liked your your joke, but it didn't work on PayPal. Uh, also, we'd like to thank Bradford Gibson. I liked it, but it wasn't funny. <laughs> I liked it, but it just try again next week. Wasn't there? Try well. Try another donation on Patreon, and, and we'll talk about yeah. it. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Braden Barber, Eric Cassidy, John Dunlap. Uh, 
Tapio Nuitio and uh, Trevor Stevens. So thank you so much, folks, for helping us out. We really appreciate that support. And uh, let's see, patreon.com slash talk for all that good stuff if you want to check it out. And we were off last week, guys. You you know that, right? I think you were aware. What? I didn't yeah. just leave I mean, you at I the sh- altar. I showed up and, and just talked for a while. But... <laughs> well, didn't someone say yeah. that you you need to talk more on the show? Yeah. Yeah. The person was smoking crack. Well, yeah, what's so... wrong with that guy? What's <laughs> I don't. I think there are. It's very clear that there are two people on this show who do not need to talk I, more. Maybe they listened to the episode where you were gone. That could be. It. <laughs> that could be it too. Is it? They're just very confused. Oh, Where's yeah. Shannon? <laughs> I don't understand. He really needs to speak up. <laughs> oh. I think they just mix uh, mix me up with Matt. That must be it. I think anybody who has a favorite on the show just simply wants to hear that person more. And it's usually it's Cremona, but we don't, we squash that as much as possible. So we like to oppress him and that's just the way it is. What are you going to do? People like me. That's uh, very strange. It is. It must be nice though. I know you guys never understand it. I don't. I don't understand the attraction. I really don't. Okay. You and uh, black olives. I just don't get it. Why do people like these things? Uh, Black olives. Black olives are awesome. (laughs) I actually do like black olives. It's green olives. I have a problem with. Okay. So. Let's get That's into racist. Hey, 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 easy. <laughs> Slow it down there. An all of racist. Tell, tell me about, tell me more about Oriental strand board. <laughs> oh man. Inside I'm joke from, from today's text. Apparently someone uh, keeps uh, referring to uh, oriented strand board as Oriental strand board. <laughs> Which well, at so many levels. It's, a, it's it. a fair it's mistake. Yeah, I don't <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, we got a show to do here. Uh, let's get into what's on the bench. So I'm still working on my dining chair. Uh, it's a little bit slow progress on that because I keep finding things to distract me from making said chair. And one of those things is fixing signs at my kid's daycare. So we walk in and for the last few months, they have been trying to get these homemade DIY welcome signs that uh, sit up against the posts in front of the building. Um, they've been trying to get them to stay up. And what happens is the letters keep falling off. And it's just white letters, you know, Michael's MDF letters on two, uh, two boards, like either probably some kind of a cedar, just like fence boards that you would buy at Home Depot that have that little dog-eared top on them. And they basically, they're not painted and everything. So they're sitting up there and then they're up there for like two days. And then you see the letters on the ground <laughs> and then they go away. They hide them for a couple of days. Then they show up again. And then another day later, they're all on the ground. And like, so so someone's not really using the right stuff or not trying very hard. I don't know what's going on. But I walk in and I, I talk to the the lady that manages the place. I'm like, look, can I just let me help you? This is really driving me nuts. I, I It's not that big of a deal, but I would love to see these signs just be up. And then you take them down at the end of the season if you want to protect them a little bit. Like, can I help you with this? And she's like, oh my gosh, yes, please. That'd be great. So then I take these things home and then it hits me and I'm like, what did I just do? This is why am I doing this? Like these are the, the, the fence boards are all warped. They're all loaded with moisture. Uh, they were painted with just a indoor latex paint, which in, in and of itself has um, absorbed a lot of moisture. So I have to get this stuff off to start over. And then I'm like painting them and I'm finding if I left them in like direct sun, even after the paint like layer had dried, I was just kind of putting them in a sunny area is, you know, not that hot right now, uh, hoping that it would kind of accelerate this dry process. And what happened was it would start to bubble up the paint because I think the moisture that's like deep in the wood, the heat would kind of activate it and make it want to get out. And it was putting all these bubbles in the surface. And I'm just like, all right, so now I'm troubleshooting. 
and like I just wanted to help somebody, and now this mm-hmm. has become my problem. So uh, that's what I get for you know trying to do a good deed. Um, but ultimately, oh, now not oh, to mention you've just put your name on the list of people we can call yes, when, when future things crap, break. When crap breaks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but I'm like, yeah, you know, it was, it would be a nice thing to do. I just wanted to help out. And now it's like five days later and I'm just now starting to get the things reassembled with the letters on them. And, uh, hopefully I'll be able to, uh, deliver them tomorrow. And, uh, if they don't stay together, that's when I'm going to get like really pissed because <laughs> like I'm hoping they stay together, but it's just, it's MDF letters and boards, you know, from, from two simple boards from Home Depot. There's not a lot that I could say this has structural integrity or any sort of way that I can guarantee it's not going to fall apart but I just had to make do with what I had. So anyway, I feel like this might turn into like, it comes in as junk boards, it's like fence posts and MDF letters and comes out as a slab wood. It's got like a CNC carved sign <laughs> yes, into it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I took some liberties. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> this is a little it's all, bit better. Like all inlaid, inlaid letters into a nice slab. Oh yeah. That's right. This is good. These MDF letters oh, weren't cutting it, so I figured I'd... I'd nice perimeter inlay. Oh, yeah, some teak, teak inlays. I actually did. Uh, the sides of these boards were so jacked up. They're just fence boards, you know, so what are you going to do? But I, I did pull out a, a hand plane, and I, oh, I planed the edge. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, what? Is, I'm just an idiot. What am I doing? <laughs> There's a certain point where I just, like, I'm shaking my head at myself. Meanwhile, I continue to use the, the hand plane on the edge of this fence board. So, well, yeah. uh, you know, you know, those people that use hand planes, they're idiots. They absolutely <laughs> are. Um, not all of them, some of them. Okay. But that's it for me, Matt. What's the dealio? What have you been doing for two weeks? You know, a lot. I think I feel like it, it's been a lot. Well, check your it's, memory. Let us know. It's kind of scary how fast time goes by. You know, it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it's been two weeks. And then like a lot of stuff happens in two weeks. Actually, a lot of stuff usually happens to me in one week. And I got to think about like, What's worth discussing on this show? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> uh, so this week I have chosen slabbing as as what I've been up to. Do you feel like you're topic. in like a book report presentation right now? <laughs> I'm trying. What to did be I more do this summer? <laughs> I believe is uh, is what we're trying to do here. Well, someone so, complained that Matt laughs too much and too long, so we're trying to remedy we're gonna, that. We're going to button that up here. So. What we, what we did to remedy that was we were extremely immature prior to the to the show all day on text. Yeah, to and get I that hope out. that got some of it out. I mean, Mark set me up for a pretty good joke towards the end there. I didn't keep going with it. I knew when to drop it. Yeah. We could have kept that thing going. Nope. Well, so hopefully we're good here for a bit. Well, yeah, and I also installed one of those uh, pet shock collars on Matt, and I have a remote here. <laughs> so if he starts laughing too long or too much, I'm just going to zap him a little bit to, but, to bring him back. I'm sure that will work perfectly. And he's on the ground, yeah. even further from the mic. <laughs> I think it'll be good. He's seizing on the ground. Oh, that'll work. That sounds like it's working. <laughs> All right. Well, he stopped laughing. So, hey, mission oh, accomplished. <laughs> so, over the past couple of weeks, I've been. Uh, it's been really nice here. Like, I think we kind of skipped like spring, and we're like into like summer. It mm-hmm. almost feels like it's been like upper 70s into the 80s. It's nice. been absolutely beautiful. So, I've been. Outside, just kind of slapping up some logs, and I'm really looking forward to being done with that because I've, I've had these giant logs here for so long. I want to get them like cut and drying, and out of my driveway and like looking a little bit nicer as well. So that's been it's been good. So I, I cut up a piece of maple that I've had here for um, a long time, over a year. It was like super goofy, it had a big hole in it. It was mostly rotten, but it was 
a bunch of different crotch sections coming together. So I was looking forward to seeing that thing opened up more from like a, how many small little parts can we get out of this? Maybe like for there's like if you're a turner, oh man, you got some curly bottle stoppers or something crazy like that. There's a lot of that kind of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And that log was like the first log where I actually encountered like a lot of metal. So that was cool. Like I hit one nail. I'm like, oh, I hit a nail. The saw blade's missing some teeth, but it's still cutting this fine. The next slab had 10 nails in it. Ooh. I, cut, I cut through all of those. And I'm like, well, I already cut through 10 nails. What else is going to happen in my life? So I kept <laughs> cutting. Found some more nails along the way. But I made it through that entire log with that one blade still cutting relatively flat. Which is pretty cool, nice. I guess. What's the, what's the cost on a new blade for that sucker? Forty-seven dollars. That's not what? as bad as I thought it would be. That's awesome. No, it's it's stupid, ridiculous. Like a wood slicer <laughs> blade shipped to my door is like forty or fifty bucks. What's the size? Like my Rikon, inch and a half. No, no I mean length by. Oh, sorry, twenty-five foot eight inches. And only forty-seven bucks. Wait, sawmill blades are dirt cheap. That's like it. That, that does not compute. That's weird. I think people are, uh, that might be overcharging for bandsaw blades. <laughs> maybe, <in the> shop. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Jeez, what is well, the upcharge I mean, on these things? When, because it's not, it's not carbide braised, right? It's nope, just, just high speed uh, steel or something or something along that. That's where things really get you. Because we went from a vertical resaw mill to a horizontal band mill. And the old one had, it was like, like Mark's Resaw King on like crack. It was like six <laughs> inches wide with big, huge carbide teeth braised on it. And then we went to the horizontal mill. And yeah, I mean, it, it looks, it's bigger, it's longer, but yeah, I think it's like a one and a half or two inch wide blade. Mm-hmm. And the the first time we ordered it, the yard manager was like, you bought the wrong stuff. This is only like 60 bucks. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah. The other one used to be like, you know, it's like $400 and then you'd ship it out to get resharpened and that was like $200 or whatever. So yeah, yeah. they're basically just disposable now. <laughs> Maybe not a good precedent that's been set. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Well, even, oh, these are so these cheap. Ones, these ones that I have now, they can be sent out to be sharpened. And it's like, well, I guess they have to factor in the cost of shipping, but they're $8 to have sharpened. Hmm. So it's like, I don't know. It's kind of interesting because like everyone's really big on blade life, it seems. But I don't care. Well, yeah, at that point, like cut quality <laughs> is really important. Just flatness of cut, right? Yeah. As long as it's cutting flat and like it's not wandering too much. Like even when I've been doing the big logs, I don't really take a chance with those anymore. I did a one time just to see, but I put a new blade on regardless because they're $47 and you were cutting a slab that costs or it's worth like three, four, five, six times as much money as in one blade. Why risk it? Mm-hmm. So I just put a new blade on those. Those blades will keep cutting through like 18 inch diameter or, or smaller logs for like forever. But to pull that blade flat through a cut that's like four feet, five feet wide got to be pretty sharp and in really good condition mm-hmm. is what I kind of learned. But well, but look at it this way. The duller it gets, the more heat it's going to generate. So you're kiln drying your wood as you saw it. Oh, perfect. Wow. That's revolutionary it. right there. You're searing you it like a steak. <laughs> this yeah. is why Ooh. I need you on the show more. I need to talk more <laughs> and speak up so we know <laughs> See, all these cool tricks. You just completely set the, the industry on its head. Promoters. <laughs> <laughs> Patented kiln dry bandsaw mill. Boom! It's so dull, so hot. You just burn right through. <laughs> like you can a, get the nice like charred look that people want these days. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. case hardened in one pass, <laughs> like a hot knife through a log. <laughs> yeah, as that old expression goes. Yeah, you know how they yes. say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost through all my big logs now. I'm pretty excited about that. I got great. I built some uh, uh, leveling bases for my slab stacks, which are fantastic. 
Uh, that allows me to get my stacks nice and flat or have them sitting on something nice and flat. So in theory, you know, you kind of give them the best foot forward for drying flat. Obviously, they can still distort and warp themselves, but at least the weight on the stack is holding at least that bottom slab down flat. So in theory, it should be better, but hmm. it's been nice. It's been nice. good. Been good around here. Yep, sounds good, man. That that reminds me, we just opened a new shed at the the lumber yard, and we put down um, crushed stone on the bottom of these things because it drains really nicely. And once they put down the stone, the the company that put up the the shed, you know, they had the little like mini steamroller thing, like that's not quite big <laughs> enough for a guy to ride on, but you, you know, <laughs> they're flattening down the stone, and you just for, you don't realize how heavy a stack of lumber is. Oh, so yeah. it's been so, it's, <laughs> severely compacted and it felt like you were walking on pavement it was so firm and then you start stacking like african utility on it 30 feet high and it starts to sink and it was it's the most terrifying thing i've ever seen a 30 foot high stack of of eight quarter 12 quarter hardwood starts to lean to the left and it was probably only a couple of degrees, but imagine a couple of degrees over a 40 foot length, you know, Run! And, <laughs> and you look down at the bottom and, and the, the four by four bolsters that we have these things sit on one four by four was completely under the gravel on one side <laughs> and, and the other side hadn't compacted at all. And it was just like, oh man, that's terrifying. So yeah. like we had to unstack the whole thing. And then there, there, one of the guys was just like shoving random offcuts like out of the dumpster under oh, there. So there's yeah. like, you know, four by four bolster, four quarter piece of cherry, four quarter piece of walnut, you know, just kind of shimmed in place to square the whole thing up. Kid you not, three days later, the thing had compacted down again. It was just like, man, it is so wow. freaking heavy. So I think it's finally settled enough. We'll see what happens when it, with the first nasty rainstorm we have. But yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, you yes. guys are dealing with much heavier stacks than I am. Like the heaviest thing I have right now are, are my stacks of ash. There's two logs there, and it's maybe like eight thousand pounds, mm. which is I don't know. It's maybe fifteen hundred board feet, two thousand yeah. board feet somewhere on there. Nothing like a forty foot stack of lumber, though. Well, see, when you have forklifts, you tend to just keep stacking stuff. <laughs> Go put it right on top. <laughs> Vertical <laughs> space is cheap, which is you, great because you know then I, I come though. in, I come in, and I say, "Hey, can I have the the boards on the bottom, please?" Yeah, always. <laughs> sure, no problem. <laughs> I, I would be really terrified, though, Matt, when I watch you sawing up with these logs and you just mentioned, like, you know, curly bottle stoppers and turning wood. Are you, like, worried that you're going to turn into the total pack rat? I mean, OK, now the logs aren't in the driveway anymore. Now they're sawed in a bunch of bigger parts. But, like, at what point do you say, no, that's going on the burn pile? Like, are you keeping everything? No, oh, I, I know. I'm sorry, Internet. I've burned a lot of stuff from a sawmill, <laughs> like a lot of stuff. I'm sorry. Like the house is off the grid now. The kimonos are fully wood fired. <laughs> I, 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 I made a full quart of firewood, and I, I burned all of the offcuts and scraps in our fireplace outside for over 24 hours straight, just feeding oh. it. All right, fair enough. And that's just for. I mean, I didn't even saw that much. Like, I, I as someone who has a sawmill does not saw nearly as much as someone who's actually like a sawyer. Right. Like I, I saw maybe enough small logs to do like what i do like seven eight hundred eight hundred board feet of lumber out of that that's like half a day for most people and like that was i was a quart of firewood and a fireplace going for 24 hours all right geez so i just i just look at this stuff and and, you know i've been there because like i remember when i first started turning it was like suddenly even the smallest piece of wood had potential and there was like a year later, I was just like, okay, I've got a problem. I've got to really start cleaning up. It was like I was hanging on to everything. 
And oh man, that's such a slippery slope. Yeah, I say burn to, it. I'm about to do that now. So my shop is kind of full of lumber. I'm going to do some reorganization in there just to kind of clean things up. And I've held on to a lot of like nice pieces of wood or little offcuts or whatever. Everybody's listening to this. It's all going to be given away for free. I'm giving away all the lumber in my shop because I don't need to have lumber in my shop. There's no reason for me to have long-term lumber storage in my shop. Wow. And the stuff I'm not going to use, if I haven't used it, it's been in there that long, I'm getting rid of it. I don't care. So when is free lumber day? I want to stop by. Whenever I get out there. You want to come by? You want it all? <laughs> yeah, I'll drive over. I feel like you need some more lumber over there. Uh, I do. I have a little tiny selection on the wall over there. And no oh, room man. to put anything else. It's terrible. Hey, you want to stack a, you want a whole flitch? <laughs> what would yeah. I do with that? <laughs> let me see. <laughs> put it on your wall. <laughs> Hold on. Let me submit a uh, form with my HOA. Uh, make sure <laughs> logs are okay on the front lawn and we'll be good. <laughs> it's not logs. It's sawn up. It's yeah, slabs. But, but if you yeah. put it back, it looks like a log to the rest of the world. <laughs> it's lawn art. Lawn art. Ah, oh, love it. I like that. That's, well, if we put a little um, old lady bending over plaque in front of it, <laughs> then no one will notice. It'll be fine. Just put a yard gnome on top. <laughs> yeah, good. something like that. It's all good now. <laughs> totally. Uh, what, I, what I'm wondering is if free lumber day applies to the uh, the bool you've got slabbed and stickered behind you there, because I'll take that. Take it off. This is, yeah, this is drawing. This would be for sale. That's uh, the next no, thing. No, 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 no. For sale. You said free. Yeah. yeah everybody heard it. This is not free. my shop. This is yeah. this is my drying area. The stuff in the shop. Know. Pay attention. This Chad. is my kiln. All right, We're, I broadcast from my kiln every. This is the week. premium stuff he's got back there. Yeah. Ooh. What is premium. the thing with the wheel? Is that a um, stroller? Stroller. Oh yeah. Stroller. I have kids. Looks good. Oh, you do. <laughs> I had no idea. Newsflash. <laughs> <laughs> Just a heads up. Two that he knows of. I got kids. Uh, all right, Shannon. Let's move on. It's going to be a very long show today. Yeah. No kidding. All right. Yeah. I'll make this quick. Ha. Ah. Um, I've been doing a bunch of just tutorial stuff for the hand tool school. So there's really not a lot to show for it other than the fact that I'm really excited to like get back to actually building projects instead of demos. Um, tomorrow night, however, I am speaking at the Washington area woodworkers guild. So I've been doing some prep for that presentation. And if you are in the Northern Virginia area, guests are welcome. 7:30 tomorrow night, somewhere over in falls church at a retirement home, I think is where it takes place. So should be interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to it. We nice. just what what was that? A couple episodes ago, we we talked about woodworking guilds and things like that. This mm-hmm. seems to be one of those active ones. So I'm really uh, looking forward to getting down there and and speaking, dropping some lumber knowledge. Knowledge, some knowledge, lumber nuggets. All right. Uh, it also says here WWG presentation. I was getting excited because I thought you were doing something in the guild. Wood Whisperer Guild presentation tomorrow night. Yeah, didn't didn't Nicole tell you? I guess not. <laughs> I better uh, better get that on the calendar. Okay, yeah, it's just date, it's date night for you too. She's just giving me the uh, you got the night your you got YouTube the mic. stream key. Yeah, <laughs> she's giving me your streaming key, and I'm I'm off to the race. We still haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy too, so you know that would be nice. Appreciate that. It. Okay, uh, let's get into what's new. I didn't mark these up for us guys, so let's just alternate. Um, I'll start with the first one here from Tommy. He says, "Hi, you've probably already saw this video." But I have to shout out because it literally amazed me. It's a five-minute insight into Hank Gilpin, uh, his work, I guess, variety in terms of wood species. I love the message that there is no bad wood. And even more, the best example I've seen of, quote-unquote, let the wood tell you what it want to be shaped. Kind of your last, like your last project, Matt. Uh, thanks for the great work. You are the first and only podcast I religiously follow each week. 
Greetings from Italy, Tommy. Oh, very nice. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. cool. Uh, I didn't watch this video. I did. Okay. It was good. Was it good? Good. It was quite good. I mean, his Hank's, um, Hank Gilpin's motto, whatever was, um, always just use domestics because he could certainly they were cheaper, but he also could go to a sawmill and buy a lot more wood directly from the sawmill than he could from a lumber yard. Mm -hmm. So in other words, just going further up the supply chain and getting it, you know, cheaper, but he's just amassed this incredible variety of stuff that you would never find commercially available, you know, blue Maho and, and Catalpa and Buckeye and just really, really cool. There's such a variety of domestics that we just don't ever see. So, um, you know, God bless the people like Matt Cremona out there (laughs) sawing up (laughs) trash logs and turn it into slides. I totally am. That's the best part. He's the trash sawyer. Let's call him that. <laughs> right from Matt's junkyard. There's, there's the next domain, trashsawyer.com. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Uh, Shannon, you grab the next one. A um, couple, uh, what was it? I don't know. A long time ago, it seems like now. We were talking about um, Tommy Mack and the Rough Cut show. Um, and he has resigned or walked from that or whatever. And we talked about who was going to fill that void. Well, I got an email, somebody saying, hey, just a little inside scoop. And then it occurred to me it's not an inside scoop um, because Charles Neal, as he posted all over his Facebook page, (laughs) has been filming pilot episodes for a new PBS show. He actually included some video, which is actually really cool because it was taken like like those behind the scenes videos where you see all the cameras and all the lights and everything and the whole production crew, which was kind of interesting just to see like all the stuff that goes into one of these PBS shows, you know, multiple crew members. Well, Mark, you saw it firsthand. Yeah. Just how many people are there with lights and boom mics and feeding everything. So Charles apparently is working on a pilot for a PBS show that will specifically look at antique furniture kind of from the woodworking perspective. And I'm gleaning this from watching that little video, but Mm -hmm. Charles is certainly the guy that understands period furniture and how it goes together. And so that should be interesting. I don't know whether that's going to take the place of rough cut. Obviously it's still in pilot form, but it's interesting. Good luck with that, Charles. You demand. Well, you know what? I don't feel like Rough Cut ever took the place to, you know, like when when you say that, yeah. it's sort of a, like you, you really think of it as a true substitute. Uh, a lot of people slated it as like, this is going to take the place of the New Yankee Workshop. And and it didn't because I felt like the New Yankee Workshop was almost uh, ubiquitous in public television, right? I mean, did you ever hear of anyone who said, oh, my public television didn't get New Yankee Workshop? Good point. Right. And rough cut never quite got to that point. And it could just be the day and age of PBS. And this is just how a new show is. It's not to knock the show at all. Um, It's just that a lot of people could not get the show in their region. So that was like, it almost feels like a bygone era. So I don't even think, you know, that did the replacement job. People said it did certainly don't think Charles show. If it, uh, if it gets put on air is going to be anything close to a replacement to, to rough cut, you know, or does it, I don't think we need a replacement for rough cut. And is no, he going to build I, on the show? Have you heard? Is is it just? I don't know. The stuff? I don't know. Um, the clip that I saw, he had. I think it was, a, if I remember correctly, it was a high boy mm-hmm. that he was building in his shop, and he was just analyzing kind of how things went together and kind of relating it to antique pieces. And in some of the antiques, you'll see it done this way, and in others, you'll see it done this way. So I don't know. To me, it seemed like it was like, uh, what's the, what's that show? Antiques Roadshow, mm-hmm. where people show up and say, you know, my grandmother had this in her basement. How much is it? And his is kind of a, more of a bent towards how it was put together. 
But nice. again, this is all coming from a U- uh, YouTube, a Facebook clip. So yeah, well, it's honestly, all guessing. Honestly, I would like to see a format change, you know, because Rough Cut did kind of follow this sort of format established by New Yankee Workshop, um, yeah. where we kind of do like this, let's find out the historical like relevance, do a little road trip, and it will come back and build this thing. And seeing something like this, I would love to see what, he, what this turns out to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, the how-to stuff, I mean, that is a place where books and YouTube really feed that notice mm-hmm. i said books and youtube mark thank you, you thank you i appreciate that i know you're well read i know you agree with me before you rant but you know there's something to be said about the the non-building kind of historical look design look um it could be interesting For anyway sure. good luck charles i hope it flies totally yeah me too all right this next one is from michael it says will shannon or matt build a new sawmill next it's the link to a youtube video from Wrangler Star of the uh, one of the uh, wind-powered sawmills over there, and was it in, is it in Sweden? I forget already. I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, it's over there somewhere, and somewhere they have place. wind. Somewhere with wind. I don't know. Yeah. I've had a few people send me in viewer projects. Where they're like, "Yeah, I built uh, this thing, whatever I built out of lumber from a uh, a wind-powered sawmill, just like this." So it's kind of cool. Like people actually like this isn't just like a museum thing. This is actually like a functioning. Thing that you can go to and buy lumber from. Hmm. It's pretty sweet. Excellent. All right, next one here. Uh, I guess Matt put this in here. You want to read it? You want to read it? No, I'll read it. Let you me do it for know. you. It's it's not cool to to read your own announcements. Um, what? So the one and only Matt. I almost said Matt Vanderlist. Whoops. <laughs> that was a, a little this instinctive. This is what I get for having someone else do my homework. <laughs> Sorry. I, yeah. No. You should have done it Matt's, yourself. Matt's at a different kind of club. Just follow his Facebook page and you'll see some real interesting pictures on there lately. Oh, yeah. That is true. Um, okay. So our, our good friend Matt Cremona will be in Houston in July with a meetup on July 7th. Bomber. Huh? Dude, you ever been to Houston in July? What were I've you thinking? I've never been to Houston in any month. Oh, Make sure you bring uh, something to wipe the sweat, my friend. I'm hot and sticky already, and just thinking about it. One of those little fans. Little portable fans, yeah. 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 Okay, meetup is on July 7th, and Matt will be speaking at the Woodworkers Club of Houston on July 8th. So you're going to have a busy July, dude, because aren't you going to AWFS later in the month? I am. So you're going <laughs> basically like a week later, July 19th to the 22nd is... AWFS, where uh, Matt and I will hang out, hold hands, and skip together through the halls of the <laughs> convention center. Be nuts. Watch out, everybody. <laughs> if you see two guys skipping down the hallways, you know, come say hi and join uh, us. <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> okay. Well, that's cool, man. So Woodworkers Club of Houston, if you're in the area, definitely look into it. Where can people go to find out information on the meetup? Just follow you, social media stuff? I have a post on the website. I guess we can put a link to that in the show notes that has all the details on the, I'm teaching six sessions on, on Saturday the 8th and then the information for the meetup on the 7th is there as well. Wait so a we'll, minute. We'll link it up. You're teaching six sessions? Yep. At this woodworkers doing, club? Doing a whole day. A whole day. Wow. I can already what tell you you're business? not getting paid enough for whatever you're doing. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I just, wow. I don't even know how much you're getting paid, but I can tell you it's probably not enough. It's not enough. <laughs> But hey, it sounds fun. <laughs> Make sure you all come to this. If you're Make in the it Houston worth area. his time, at least. You know, show up, let him sign your boobs, something like that. <laughs> and that goes, I'm talking to the guys, by the way. Yeah, and everybody who attends gets a free slab, apparently. <laughs> That's right. It is free slab month. It was July. So I'll have some nice coupons printed up, get some glitter going, you know. Ooh, I like Glitter that. coupons. Good idea. 
Okay, let's get into our kickback here. Stuff you guys sent us uh, in response to other things that happened on the show in the past. Uh, first one here is from Glenn. He says, listening to pooping in a slop sink. Wait, that's gross. Listening to the episode, quote, poop in the slop sink, reminded me of a story and an odd tip. I once took a bit of a class at a furniture maker's shop. The shop was in his backyard, a standalone building with no washroom. While getting a tour of the shop and the safety talk, he asked me not to put my hand in any bucket of sawdust. It was okay to put my hand in sawdust on the ground, just not the stuff in the buckets. I asked why, and he informed me of a tip passed on by an old-timer that you can pee in a garbage can of sawdust, and it'll absorb the smell. Kind of like kitty litter for the woodworker. Ew. Thanks for the show, Glenn. Well, there you go. When you walk into somebody else's shop and you see a bucket of sawdust, do you ever have the impression, I should stick my hand in that? Uh, no, I also don't have the impression that I should stick my wiener anywhere near it. <laughs> Just, I don't think I would have to be told, don't put your hand in that bucket of sawdust. Yeah. Generally speaking, yeah, you're right. Would you just be inclined to throw your hand into a, a mysterious bucket at all? Hmm. But this does give me a thought. Like I've got a 35 gallon uh, collection bin on my dust collector. If I could just attach a, t- a tube and a funnel to it, it should, yep. it should be okay. Yep. Right. Uh I knew this was going. Yeah. The, the dust collector, urine collector. We did get someone asking us to clean it up a little bit, uh, that we're, we're, we're being a little bit too immature. Oh, here's a tip on how works. to clean it up. A bucket of sawdust. Yeah, there you go. That's how we clean it up. <laughs> literally, we took it literally. <laughs> All right, this next one, I'm so glad I get to read this one because it's from Wolf in Germany. Oh, says, hello, guys. Wolf from Germany here with some kickback on the show. Uh, 372 regarding shop safety. Whoa. Am I offending all of Germany at this point right now? No, you're entertaining hey, all of our audience. Going again, so you should be okay. Do it, yeah, do it, keep true. going. Okay, in which you didn't address proper footwear. If I remember correctly, a couple days ago, I went into the shop to sharpen some plain blades. I use a strop, a strop, a strop. for the final touches. <laughs> and as I was dragging the blade over the strop, I lost grip. The blade was, I don't know where that accent just went. It went off the, <laughs> It's hard the to maintain that The blade was curled long. towards my feet. <laughs> it cut through the leather shoe, my sock, and into my foot. So here's the German guy who wasn't actually wearing Birkenstocks and wool socks. Mm-hmm. That's good. There's another, another American stereotype of German tourists we have. Uh, fortunately, it missed the toe ligament, but it left one inch, a one inch long cut. In my, okay, I shouldn't make fun of this anymore. That's terrible. Yikes. <laughs> it left a one inch long cut in my foot. It had to be sewn back together with stitches. So please always wear safety shoes in your shop. A sharp blade can go some ways. Wow. Jeez. That's, uh, that's do, terrifying. Do you guys wear safety footwear in your shops? No, I don't. <laughs> I'm really bad about that, Barely. especially as it gets warmer. I've been known to wander into the shop in my Birkenstocks right. and no socks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. I'm looking at my very, shoes. Very, very funny. Very sorry for making fun of that. Yeah, That's awful. this is going to come around to haunt you, I think. Um, Seriously. Wow. Well, I, I wear so running shoes. That, I wear running shoes and all they have on the top is that very like breathable mesh fabric. Right. And yeah, say, it well, isn't going to take wearing, not going to take much I'm, for a chisel to go right through that. Yeah, I'm either wearing the running shoes or wearing like open-toed shoes. It's terrible. Mm. I know it's wrong, but wow. Okay, then. It's got me thinking now. <laughs> Maybe if I stuck my foot in that bucket of sawdust. Do they make – yeah, there you go. Do they make steel-toe running shoes? The uh, uh, ones that I have don't have the ankle things because I don't like those, like yeah. boot style. Mm-hmm. So I have like – I don't know, like boot 
I don't know if they're they're work boots, but they're only like they don't have the ankle upper ankle thingy. They're not high tops. <laughs> is what we're saying. They're, yes, they're low tops, <laughs> low okay. riders. But you're also you issue. do a lot of logging stuff. You you could drop a you know massive six hundred pound slab on your foot. So I think you, you uh, got- yeah you could logs don't hurt as much because they're kind of round and stuff. But yeah, <laughs> okay. I'll remind you of that next time you drop a thousand pound log on your foot. When there's foot. one on top of you. Because it was rounded. <laughs> I've, I've had logs set on my foot before without safety shoes on. I've been fine. The whole dropping thing with like corners and edges that kind of gets you. You heard it here first. Blunt force trauma is not a thing, people. <laughs> not, yeah. Don't worry about it. You're not going to get anything from just, that. Just walk it off. <laughs> All right, Matt, do yours. I'm going to leave the mic for a second because I got to go close the door. There's a uh, leaf blower in the neighborhood. I just pretend like I'm doing Run away leaf blower. Just random leaf blower with no operator. <laughs> right. <laughs> I need to check into that. All right. Oh, man. We're going to talk with Shannon here for a second. All right. Love the show. A little feedback, though. Shannon's lumber industry updates. I personally don't care about the latest price increase or what species got flagged under some new endangered species import stuff. I do really find these stories he tells about the high-end customers interesting. The crazy expensive yacht builders or the trim packages in the $5 million homes. Occasionally, those things get dropped in and it's interesting to see a window into the crazy high-end world of wood stuff. Thanks and keep up the great show. Steve. Interesting. So do we need to have uh, Shannon's uh, rich people industry update now? <laughs> right. In addition to the lumber update? <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting feedback because I do have a lot of those stories. It's just hard to think about it in abstract more often than not they kind of come up because one of you guys said something was like oh yeah that reminds me kind of like the the whole story about the lumber the leaning tower of lumber you mm-hmm. know but I'll, I'll 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 make an effort appreciate that Steve. <laughs> see now i'm gonna have to get a whole new song like to make it more generalized like what's nah. going on with shannon in the lumber world <laughs> i don't think that's that's not very good song lyrics but no Okay, so the next one but here. keep in mind, that lumber industry update does give me a reason to leave work early on Monday, so. Well, there you go. <laughs> it can't be totally random. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, okay, so and Matt Turner wrote in. Early. Uh, he says, hi, gentlemen, Father's Day is coming up soon, and my technology challenge father doesn't have an interest in listening online or downloading things from the interwebs. Have y'all considered, is this under the what's new? Where are we? Kickback, okay. I, I'm making sure I put this in the wrong place, <laughs> or in the right place. <sighs> what's wrong with me? Okay, he says, uh, have you all considered a CD, DVD collection of the podcasts you've made so far? I realize I could download all the episodes and burn them to a disc, but I feel like creating a permanent physical copy of your hard work is unscrupulous. I was wondering if more of your audience would have an interest in it. I'd purchase two copies if they were available. Love the show. I love the Patreon extras. Keep up the good work. And I put this in here only because I want to hear from people. I would not even think the thought of producing a physical copy of something like that because my brain just doesn't really go there anymore. But right. that doesn't mean other you know, people wouldn't have a use for it. I, I'm seeing like or like the mid '90s like CD tower, like you would need that whole mm-hmm. CD tower thing for the Wood Talk archive. <laughs> right. And it just seems like if you're going to go to that amount of trouble, it should be quality content to begin with. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. If we're going to really honor it that way, it should be a better show. Um, but the past is the past. I mean, at the very least, I would say like a thumb drive, maybe if you were going to do something like that, but I don't know. So what I want from you guys, the audience, let us know in some way, shape or form, social media, whatever 
get us on Twitter. Um, what are we? Wood talk. We'll talk show on Twitter. Just let us know if you care. Um, with it, we, we have nothing against doing this. Let's it'd be, know if you care, <laughs> it'd be easy yeah. enough to do. Uh, the other thing that I was thinking though, that could make this a little bit in- interesting for some people. Not everybody wants to do Patreon and not everybody goes through the trouble of getting, uh, going through the hoops it takes to get those email extras. So there may be a possibility that because this is something paid and it retains its value is to put those email extras in there as well. So anyone who doesn't subscribe to Patreon now has a way. Cause that's, I mean, I got to say like, we don't just blow off the email extras. We actually put effort into them and, and try, you know, to make a decent show for people with that little bit of extra content. So some of them have been pretty good, actually a couple of them, like one or two. And uh, I just think this is another, it would be another cool way for people to get that content and not necessarily participate in Patreon. So I don't know, but let us know what you think and uh, we'll throw it to you guys and you know, we'll do what you guys want to do. We're here for you. Okay. And then there was this. Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. You don't have to wait till it's totally done, Shannon. But I want to. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is a, it's interesting because we've been getting questions about this industry update. Kind of, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And some of them are highly politically charged. And I'm just not that stupid to address them. <laughs> but um, this was kind of an interesting one. <clears throat> Kindle uh, wrote in and said, I have the opportunity to buy some large offcuts from a flooring and cabinet manufacturer for pennies on the dollar. There's a mix of common domestic hardwoods as well as large amount of red grandis. I found some information on the wood, including an article um, with Shannon comparing it to mahogany. I hate it when I Google stuff and I find the stuff I've written. It's you terrible. don't hate it. You love that. All right, I do. Stop it. Um, are there any advantages <laughs> to using red grandis or other cheaper exotics other than their price? I know a fair amount about domestics, but very little about most of the South American species. So most of the kind of buying programs and anytime you've got a um, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Forestry that is – uh, a species maybe has been threatened or it's been heavily regulated. One of the concessions is always, well, there are other species that you can use. So, yes, uh, we'll take mahogany as an example. Mahogany has been a CITES 2 species for about 10 years now and obviously dramatically reduced the amount of global export. So what a lot of the South American countries have been saying is, well, you know, there's this alternate species that's like mahogany or it's in the same, you know, uh, botanical family, things like that. And this is stuff that usually ends up staying in country and like a lot of the local construction is being done with these other random species. Well, suddenly you'll start seeing them being brought into uh, into Europe and into North America as part of kind of the concessions that have been made. Um, another good example is in Myanmar when we lifted the economic embargo against Myanmar and started to make teak legal to import again. The stipulation was that we as an industry help further. Uh, the usage of other species, of alternate species. Same things going on in Africa with alternate species to ebony. So you'll start to see more of these kind of what we would call unusual weird woods that you've never heard of before showing up because it is the industry trying to use more of the forests and trying to use up the other species that make a perfectly good alternative. The advantage to using them 
other than price? Well, price is the number one advantage because they're like, in many instances, a quarter of the cost of their, you know, more well-known cousins. But the real advantage is the more you buy this stuff, the more that species could catch on, if you will. Um, the lumber industry, the lumber using industry, construction industry is incredibly resistant to change. And if you think about it, if you've got a production setup and you're manufacturing doors and windows and you've got it down to this particular species, I know I can get the thickness I want, I can get the widths and everything that I need. And suddenly you say, okay, now you have to change species. Uh, no, you know, your shop foreman just had a cow and doesn't want to do any of that, doesn't want to change anything. So trying to get industry to adopt these new and unusual and weird species is really tough. So this is kind of a grassroots thing. If you find a yard that has some of that stuff, give it a shot. If nothing else, watch, uh, what was it, Hank Gilpin's video we talked about earlier in this episode. You know, no wood is, is bad wood. There's some really interesting stuff out there that can be had for cheap, and it's only from an econ environmental perspective it's only better for the forestry um, because there's all these other trees in the way frankly you know to get to the ebony they're passing by three, 30 different trees to get to that one tree if they could find a use for some of those other trees um that will stretch the forestry a lot longer it will control prices it's just good for the ecosystem as, as a whole so certainly it's good for your wallet mm-hmm. but it's good for your conscience it's good for mother earth do it that's most important I think so. What, the wallet part? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's all important, <laughs> honestly. Okay. Very good. Um, we've got some voicemail here, and these guys actually sent us the voice memo. We're, uh, you know, I thought about them doing away with the voicemail line and the whole Skype thing, so just send us your voice memos. They sound good. Uh, the voice quality is really good, and it's easier for me to do. So uh, if you want to do that, just hit us up at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Use your voice memo app and send us that file. And first one here is from Eli. He's, uh, what, what's his question? So he wants to know, what do you do if good hardwood dealers aren't close? Uh, so my question is, I've been woodworking now just for a year or two. And up until now, I've been doing a lot of rustic cabin type furniture. So I get away with using a lot of lumber, actually just yellow pine, doing rustic farmhouse tables, benches, coffee tables, stuff like that. I'm starting to get into some finer woodworking is my skills getting a little better and getting some nicer tools and stuff the problem i'm having is don't have a lot of wood around here to choose from you know you go to home depot and i can get red oak and pine and a few pieces of cedar and that's pretty much it um i found a guy here pretty close that runs a small sawmill just using an alaskan mill he can get some walnut cherry stuff like that but it's usually still green wet when i get it so you know you have to dry it for a few months I was wondering what you all did if any of you aren't close to wood dealer type places. You know, if you bought it online and had it shipped, it seemed like by the time you add in the price of shipping, that might be a little little too much. Uh, the wood store there in Knoxville has some stuff, but since it's an actual woodworking store, they tend to sell more tools and stuff. So, you know, you can get pretty much anything, Purple Heart, Bobinga, anything like that, but... It's super expensive for what you get. So I wonder if you'd give me any feedback, kind of point me in the right direction. Let me know where I can get some, some walnut or cherry, some, not, not looking really for exotic stuff, just some stuff to make some high quality furniture. Appreciate it, guys. First time calling in. Let me know what you think. Bye-bye. Thanks, Eli. 
So what do you guys think? I don't know where there are any hardwood yards. I don't have any near me. <laughs> have no idea. Not a clue. Uh, well, you can call Matt. He's got a lot of free wood, I hear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> July, free wood month. The, the funny thing is, is if unless you were watching the video, you didn't get to see how big Matt's eyes got when the oh, guy said man. he was running a sawmill with an Alaskan mill. Yeah. I have some extreme respect for that guy. I, that's incredible. <laughs> like, it's... I mean, I personally, chainsaw milling, fantastic if you want to cut some stuff for yourself. But if you're trying to run like a business, trying to saw lumber for people. <laughs> not so much. Huh? Crazy, huh? No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> well, one of, the, one of the things, I mean, certainly I, I would do some extensive Googling, if at all possible, Eli, and find out, you know, lumber yards, wholesale yards, hardwood dealers, just and throw in your regional modifiers to that. He'd mentioned Knoxville. I don't think he said where he is exactly. I, I imagine Tennessee somewhere. But, um, you know, do some Googling to see what you can find and and don't discount anything. Certainly, if you found a guy that's that's milling lumber, you may have to dry it. But heck, man, you're not going to beat the prices you're going to get from that guy. And you got to start somewhere, right? So if you have to dry it a little while, that's cool. You know, mm-hmm. dry it and just keep buying more. You kind of constantly got stuff drying. You're going to save a heck of a lot of money that way. Plus, you're going to find some really interesting stuff more than likely. Um, you can consider if you can't find any lumber dealers anywhere, you might think about looking into actual um, cabinet shops, guys that are actually producing either furniture or cabinetry, things like that, because they're getting their lumber from somewhere. So, A, you can either find out where they're getting their lumber from and maybe even kind of glom onto their order. We have people that do this all the time where there's a cabinet shop nearby and, you know, that cabinet shop's ordering a 1,000 board feet of something. Next order they place is for 1,200 board feet. 200 of that ends up, you know, it's just getting delivered to that cabinet shop and Joe Woodworker showing up and picking it up. Um, You know, you can work out a deal with somebody like that or – if you found a wholesale place and you know other woodworkers in the area, you can do a cooperative build and you can call that wholesaler and say, I need a thousand board feet and you have it delivered. And, you know, you and your four buddies go and you pick it and put it in your trucks and take it home. That's another way to do it. Mm-hmm. Or all of these commercial shops have waste. You think about the amount of waste that we produce in our dinky little shops and multiply that by 10 in a professional cabinet shop. There's a lot of stuff coming out of there. Some of it you might get for free. Others you might just get for a song because they just want to get it out of there. So consider buying it from the people who are already building stuff. Now, will your selection be all that exciting? Probably not, but it's better than probably better than the stuff you're going to get at the home center, certainly cheaper in many instances. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That would be my recommendation. And, you know, as far as the online resources go, a lot of these are maybe not as bad as you think they'd be. Um, yeah, it's a good point. You know, they, you look at like Belfora's products. They're someone we've worked with for years. They've got a great selection. You can get some stuff from them. Uh, you could easily find discount codes with them. For instance, in the guild, you've got a 10% um, off your entire order anytime. And they usually have free shipping, you know, so you, of course that's how they're going to be padding you would expect padding the numbers to at least cover uh, what shipping might be. So it's probably going to be a little bit more expensive on the board foot side of things. But if you get an extra discount on top of it, you know, for not having to even go anywhere, you simply click a button and a few days later, the shipment of lumber shows up. It's not too bad if you don't have a better choice. So definitely at least check out Bell Forest products. And there are other vendors out there that uh, do a pretty good job. I've had so many people contact me and say, well, you know, I don't want to pay shipping, so I'm going to drive across the state and get it from this guy. And it's like, 
man, I know gas prices have gotten better, but <laughs> they're not that good. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the the wear and tear. I have a I have a crack in my windshield from a piece of EPA that was just a bit too long for the for the hatchback. <laughs> I have a tear in the dashboard that I'm surprised didn't trigger the airbag. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff. Something to be said about having delivered right into your driveway. True that. All right. Uh, True that. Ne- next one here True. is from Tom, and he's got a question about hand tool storage. Hey guys, this is Tom from Pennsylvania. Uh, I got a question for you about uh, hand tool storage. So I got a lot of hand tools, and uh, they're kind of scattered around the shop now in different organization methods, I guess. And uh, I'm thinking about building a tool cabinet. And what I'm thinking is a Krenov-style cabinet on legs, but my problem is... When the two front doors open, which would have tools mounted on the inside, is that stability going to be an issue? I think it will be. But is there a way I can avoid that? I don't know. Maybe should I just do a wall hung? I don't have a lot of wall space, so I'm kind of avoiding that. I want to do like a freestanding cabinet. Um, Maybe putting heavier tools in the back would help. I don't know. Tell me what you think. Love the show. Thanks. Bye. Cool. Thanks, Tom. All right. I don't know. My instinct says that it might be okay as long as he's keeping the front door shallow. And we're talking about maybe some saws and chisels. I don't think it would be too problematic if the heavier stuff, planes and things like that are toward the back. But if he's going deep on those fronts, then, you know, that might be problematic. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if he went deep, then... I don't know. I'm just trying to think of when I, when I organized my tool cabinet, I was very I kind of put together like work zones. The stuff I grabbed for the most was what I put in the door. Mm-hmm. And that ends up being like marking tools. And like, I have a block plane and a router tool in the door. Cause I'm reaching for that stuff all the time. And then chisels. Um, yeah. But what's to say you don't like mount, like put a bracket and mount it to the it's wall. It could still right? be a stand, you know, like those, like the brackets that come with an Ikea bookshelf to prevent it from tipping over <laughs> when, when little junior climbs up the shelf or whatever. It seems right. like to me that would be, unless he truly had it freestanding, like right in the middle of the shop or something like that. Um, take an extra board and use it as a kickstand, open the door, shove that board <laughs> under go. and there you go. Get you her know? done, baby. <laughs> I mean, that would, that's that's the, the the ghetto fabulous way to do it but well, i would i would just take like an l bracket and just you know put an attachment point on the ceiling to prevent the tipping my question though is if you're pressed for space why are we doing a elevated on a stand kind of thing i mean when you're thinking about a tool chest being wall mounted you still have space under it that isn't being right. used this is now eating up a footprint with air so unless you yeah. have some like specific, maybe a compressor is going to go under this thing or your vacuum shop vac or there, there has to be a purpose for it. That might be something to think about. Maybe all you really need to do is build a nice tall vertical cabinet instead mm-hmm. of something that's, you know, pretty, you know, Krenov style on legs. I just feel like in terms of shop, like shop space, having something on legs like that is an incredibly inefficient way to, to get that yeah. job done too. Unless you build a shelf and then stick your compressor on it for extra weight to keep it from tipping. Yeah, that's the thing. You got to make use of that space at at some point. Anything to add to that, Matt? I would just tack it to the wall. Yeah. (laughs) Call it good. French cleat it and be done. There you go. All right. uh, So if you want to send us a voicemail, you could do like those guys did and uh, use your voice memo app and send that to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Now we can get into our emails. See, the first one, this is going to be very quick, guys. Do you a favor and we'll Uh-oh. talk very much. 
Uh, let's see. Who is it? Oh, did I not put the guy's name? Oh, Fiddlesticks. Mark, come on. Fiddlesticks, How many man. times? See, now I'm cursing. How many times? Come on. Come on. Come on. You think after 10 years I'd have this down? Okay, recently I got Steve. an age. <laughs> is it Steve? Steve? I don't know. Just uh, there's a Steve. good there's actually a good chance it would be from a, a Steve. Okay. So I went with that. Recently got an HVLP after watching Mark's video on using waterborne poly. I tried it and was amazed at the results um and the cleanup, although I do miss the amber color of regular polyurethane. Um making an arts and crafts bed designed by Kevin Rodell and featured in the April Fine Woodworking magazine. I will be fuming this piece with 28% ammonia. My intention is to apply, finish with my HVLP, and I would like to use waterborne poly. I would appreciate your thoughts on my choice of finish. All right, so this, you probably, if you listen to the show enough, you probably know what I'm going to say, and that is to use Endurovar. Endurovar is one of the few water-based finishes that I've experienced that actually just right out of the can are going to give you sort of an oil-based kind of look to it. So it does have that kind of natural ambering that you get from oils. Uh, Short of that, you know, you certainly could play around with a little bit of dye. You can kind of try to get that color before moving to your water-based finish. Some people even use like a linseed oil or a tongue oil as a first coat. Let that soak in, cure completely, and then switch over to the water-based finish. Um, Maybe even give it a little coat of shellac between just to kind of make sure the oil isn't going to interfere uh, with the binding of that water-based stuff. Um, So there are like two possibilities to how you could do this. There's probably a lot more options out there, but those are the two that would allow you to kind of stick with the HVLP and uh, go to a top coat that you really want to use. But Endurovar, you know, one can, that should get you where you need to be, honestly. See, I've had had some Lux tinting water-based stuff. It's always... Mm -hmm done a good job yeah like a little honey even, honey brown color or something like that to it yeah yeah even going so far as to just like tinting you know just water water-based tint mm-hmm. dye of some sort just put it in like a regular like off the shelf like squirt bottle yeah and spraying it and just wiping it down and then moving on to my finish from there or tinting the actual finish you know endurovar mm-hmm. is water-based so right a couple of drops in and you're good to go did you know that uh honey brown was actually matt's nickname in college oh, Hmm. Just thought I would let you guys know that. Oh man, I, I forgot was his, you knew me in college. That's right. You were, it was his you know, rapper name? We go way back. Twenties, follow yeah. me around. That was his stage name. So, MC Honey Brown. <laughs> All right, Matt. Stop. Hold oh. on. Stop laughing. Bzz. All right, Come on, it's, Matt. It's your turn. Drop us some beats. <laughs> All right. No. Okay. <laughs> Next, we have one from Eric. This is over on Patreon. He asks, "What's the deal with drill presses?" How'd that sound? Was that good? Almost. Mark does it pretty well. Almost. Cool. All right. I'll never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be buying one soon. Does a floor standing model offer any advantages advantages over a 12-inch benchtop drill press other than throat depth? I'd, uh, I'd bolt down the benchtop model if I go that route and it would save some extra clams. Wait. That's, clams, that's code maybe? for money. No, clams. Code for money. Oh. Clams. Oh, hold on, hold on, Matt. Did you really not know that, or are you just nope. hamming it up? Heck no, heck no. I what a millennial! Ah, you know yeah, what? I'm gonna titles. start. I'm gonna start paying you your Patreon money in clams. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what to do with these clams. That doesn't work with money. He's he's on the barter uh, system. Actually, slabs, Matt only slabs for services. The millennial. He only accepts Bitcoin. <laughs> so <laughs> clams. I don't understand. Did he mean clamps? <laughs> This is a woodworking show, all right? Come on. <laughs> uh, you you know about Sanford and Son now, right? 
That was actually a show. I know that one jingle from it, and I know the name of the show. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Just as long as you know it existed. Thank you, thank you for the education in uh, your we, generation. We need a new intro, something like educating Matt. You know, yeah. on anything that happened week. before 1990. <laughs> You're two guys that educate the other guy in pop culture. That's right. <laughs> so, oh boy, the question here is about. <laughs> drill presses i have a 12 inch uh, benchtop drill press and i've been using that one since i got a drill press and that's been on my bench for about seven years now honestly as a occasional hole driller i would say that a benchtop drill press of that size is really all you need as far as power goes for woodworking even like with my 12 inch drill press i've done Four-inch Forstner bits in hardwood. It's been fine. Just like everything else in woodworking, if you have a smaller amount of power, you just kind of reduce the feed speed, you'll get through it. Maybe if you're drilling four-inch holes every single day, you might want to think about a little more power, but really, it doesn't really matter. Now, one of the things I will mention that the floor standing models typically have is better tables, more stable tables that might not go out of alignment. So one issue that I have with the 12-inch drill press is if you try and drill a hole on the edge of the table and you're drilling something, it's not like an eighth-inch hole or a quarter-inch hole in wood. If you're drilling like something that requires a decent amount of down pressure, you will tilt that table out of alignment and your hole will no longer be at 90 degrees. So that's something to consider. But again, I didn't notice that until I started drilling holes in steel. And you have a lot of down pressure with that. For normal wood drilling, it doesn't really seem to make a difference. So if you're really looking for to save some space, so you're not going to be doing a lot of crazy drilling, you don't plan on building a sawmill like I did, a 12-inch drill press is probably all you're going to need. Now, I'm kind of in this weird position right now where I'm like, 12-inch drill press has been working fine for me, probably will still work for me forever, but I'm kind of pining for a bigger drill press at this point. And as a side note, like every single time I try and look at drill presses, I always end up like, oh, maybe like this, like, $700 decent entry level four sand drill press by the end of, by the time I'm done looking at them I'm at like $3,000 fancy <laughs> dancy drill presses that I probably don't need but would be really sweet to you <laughs> upgrade itis my friend oh <laughs> just it's terrible <laughs> now I, I've I've rarely used floor standing models on the other people's shops but isn't the quill travel longer on a floor standing model that depends uh, I guess it depends that's why one's $3,000 and the other's not because yeah, I can remember my Delta bench top. Um, one of the things that when I was in my pin making days and making like 300 pins at Christmas time, mm-hmm. that one really bugged me because a typical like when they started coming out with the single blank pin kits, the quill travel was not enough to get through that. So mm-hmm. I had to like drill halfway and then stop and raise the table. So the yeah. bit was still buried in and then finished the cut. And when you're making 300 pins, that was really obnoxious. <laughs> and then I found another time where like the, the depth under the table would only drop so far and there just wasn't enough clearance. So then you can actually rotate the entire head around. So it's like backwards, but then there was no work holding or anything like that, but I was still limited by the quill travel. So maybe that's a specific thing, but if you look at your own work and you find that you're going to be drilling a lot of deep holes, mm-hmm. uh, floor standing might, serve you better yeah. plus lasers and and storage Amazing. i mean i i honestly i don't think i have ever used the capacity that's allowable with this floor standing drill press that i have 
But if I had a good quality or comparable quality benchtop model, then I could build a nice cabinet under it and actually mm-hmm. have some storage for it. Right now, that thing eats up, you know, like a two by two footprint that's pretty much unusable and I can't put anything under it. So I, that's definitely. true. I was able to keep my compressor underneath it, all of my drill right. bits. Yeah. Yeah, it was really nice. Definitely space-wise, think about what you're building. And if you don't have a need for that extra, you know, the, to fit really tall things under there, then maybe <laughs> maybe the bench top I want to put a whole table on the ground and drill a hole on the top of it. <laughs> I wanna, yeah, put an entire table frame on drilling, uh, you know, holes to secure the top. There you go, right. yes. Just get, you go. Rid of, get rid of your hand drills and just use the drill press for everything. <laughs> But, it, you know, the funny thing is necessity is a mother of invention, right? I had that drill press for a long, long time, and I struggled with the whole pin drilling thing. And then I drilled a pin a pin blank on my lathe, and I was like, why have I not been doing this all of my yeah, life? Like, you, you know, you talk about capacity. It's the length of the bed of the lathe is my capacity. Mm-hmm. So now, now that I've said that, I remembered that I found a fix for that and found even less reason to have my drill press around. Sure. So there you go. Cool. Cool. Well, this next one's from John. He says, how do you use a moisture meter? The one I bought had very limited directions. It seems you need to choose the number depending on the type of wood you're testing. Then each type has a different percentage moisture to try to go for. Basically, I'm totally ignorant of the whole thing. Would love to hear some sort of moisture testing 101. Um, So first of all, there are... Stick it in the um, wood. Yeah, stick it in the wood. (laughs) Write down the number or not. Um, Obviously, every moisture meter is going to be a little bit different. The fancier ones actually can adjust to the specific species, the, the essentially all wood has different densities and it's going to reflect the signal a little bit differently. You know, you take a piece of ebony and a piece of pine and it's going to bounce back a lot more readily in the really, really dense ebony. So what you're doing is adjusting for that, that difference in density or actually, I think it's a difference in specific gravity, which is a yes. density measure. Never mind. doesn't matter. It's denser. It's heavier and, and thicker and stuff. Um, <laughs> so you're adjusting for that. Most domestic species, you'll find that that number is not dramatically different. But here's the thing. It actually doesn't matter. Whatever the testing, whatever that meter spits out, write that down. Um, and then if you've got a piece of wood that you know is dry, maybe you bought it was kiln dry or you bought it from Home Depot, test that wood. And what is that number? And now it's a relative thing. So if you tested the stuff that you bought at Home Depot and it pops out at 8%, and then you test another piece you're uncertain of, you know, and it jumps out at 15%, there's obviously a delta there that, you know, that stuff is probably wetter. I mean, just holding it, weighing it, you'll see that one is heavier than the other. Certainly, there's going to be differences from species. So you want to try to get the species as as similar as possible. Taking a piece of poplar and a piece of oak is going to give you a little bit of deviation, but not that much deviation. Um, So what moisture meter do you have? If you didn't have, it says it had very limited directions. I would recommend going to the moisture, to the manufacturer's website, and you could probably download the instructions. If it has the ability to set, which it says, it sounds like it does. He says you can choose a number. So it sounds like his meter does have the species setting. Um, mine came with a whole list of these species dial on this thing. And then there's even a, a little like quick reference thing on the front that you can write in the common species and it tells you what the number is. Um, so that's the first thing. Download the instructions on the manufacturer so that you know what those species deviations are. Um, if it doesn't give you the species, it should tell you what it's measuring. 
So if it says it's measuring specific gravity, then you just go to like the wood database, look up the species, you'll find the specific gravity numbers, punch that in. At least now you're getting something that's dialed in to your species because you probably paid more for that moisture meter to have that capability. The really cheap ones don't have that capability and therefore the number isn't quite as accurate. If you've got it, you might as well use that. So that would be the first thing, figure out what that is. And then, you know, Every meter is going to test a little bit differently. Most of the pinless meters, the surface meters, run about one and a half inches deep into the wood. Some of them don't quite go that far, but you want to measure the middle of the board and measure the ends of the board. Obviously, the ends are going to be drier because that's, you know, near the end grain is going to dump wood a little bit faster. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's all I do is I measure the two ends and I measure the middle and I see kind of what that deviation would be. So if I make this cross cut in the middle, I'm exposing wood that is going to be, you know, 15 percent. The board on the end, the very end of the board should give you an idea of what it would dry to um, because that's where it's dumping the moisture the most. But ultimately, just keep a running kind of tally of what boards will do when it starts to settle down that board settles in your shop and it's not that number whatever it is is not decreasing anymore you can feel that it's coming to equilibrium with your shop so if you bring another board in and it's five points higher than whatever the number was at rest then you know that it's got some more drying to do so it kind of doesn't really matter what the percentage is you can't say kiln dried should be six to eight percent because in my shop things equal out around eleven percent in Mark's Arizona shop, it levels out at negative 300, you know? So <laughs> I don't have an Arizona shop. Yeah. In your old Arizona shop, oh, okay. in your Colorado shop, it never levels out at two, four, <laughs> you know, my lips are dry right now, actually. Oh, poor Mary dryer. <laughs> anyway, I hope that helps John. Cool. Just get your, get, get your instructions on how to dial in for the species and then just start testing stuff and paying attention to when it stops changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that will be your equilibrium moisture content. Or as a simple alternative, stick it in the wood. Stick it in the wood. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So we have an email extra coming up that we're going to record in a few minutes here for our patrons. Uh, $4 patron and higher level is basically what will get you access to that. And uh, I thought I mentioned they do have an RSS feed there that you could subscribe to so you can get all of the shows, the regular shows, the weekend show, as well as the email extras all in one feed. You could subscribe to that, throw that into iTunes and you're good to go or whatever um, podcast app that you happen to use. It's really good stuff. And uh, if you want to support the show, of course, Patreon is a great way to do that. Patreon.com slash woodtalk. You can also head over to the TWW store, and that's at TWWstore.com, and get yourself a Wood Talk t-shirt, or you could leave us a review in iTunes. And I actually got that queued up today. I'm going to read one. Uh, Dudes That Love Wood is the subject from Killer Grind. Says, pretty much new to woodworking, and I stumbled upon this show and just can't get enough. Man, I act like a sponge when these dudes talk, and I learn a lot just to put it into motion. Uh, What I like is that each one has a different aspect of woodworking. So thank you very much, and if you want to leave a review like that in the iTunes store, we certainly appreciate it. And uh, I guess that's about it. So Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. If you want to t- hear more from Dudes Who Love Wood, just don't Google Dudes Who Love Wood because you'll find something different. Uh, Hold on. I'm, I'm going to do that while you talk. That was, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. The first thing that um, auto-completed, by the way, was Dudes Who Love Disney. <laughs> and then also Dudes Who Love Dudes. All right. <laughs> so while, while Mark is uh, getting his dudes who love wood on, um, there are several ways you can contact us. As Mark mentioned earlier, send us a voice memo. People, pull up the voice memo app on your phone, record something, and send it to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. If you don't like that, 
go to our fancy contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact and you can type out your question and it's great. We love that too. Or just go to this episode on woodtalkshow.com and leave a comment or go to Facebook or the Twitters or we have a Wood Talk Snapchat. <laughs> no, we don't. No, no. It's probably good. That's yeah, probably a good, a good thing. thing. And that's it. That's how you get us. And Dudes Who that's Love good. Wood is a fairly safe Google search, by the way. And even once you get to the end of the first page, the only one that's even questionable in the list is four reasons guys wake up with morning wood. Okay. But prior to that, Nicole's got your parental controls turned on. Oh, that's what it is. Jeez. Is that why my, my Nintendo turns off at a certain hour every night? I'm wondering (laughs) about that. It's really, she's clamping down on me. What's up with that? All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will catch you on the weekend show. The weekend. Bye-bye. It's the weekend. No, it's not. Not yet. It's not the weekend. Flipping Monday. Oh, no.